This call is being recorded. You are Locked On Browns, your daily podcast covering the Cleveland Browns, part of the Locked On Podcast not- Network, your team every day. Your host, Jeff Lloyd, along with from Browns Maven of SI.com, Pete Smith at underscore Pete Smith underscore at Jeff underscore LJ underscore Lloyd, taking you through yet another episode. Um, Pete, obviously, for the most part, Browns wise, a quiet day. Um, but this one here, I, I don't understand why, you know, people just take one thing and they run with it. Um, for all intents and purposes, it looks like Adam Henry is going to move on. Interviewed for the wide receiver coach today with the Dallas Cowboys. Pete, take the fact that Odell and Jarvis have had, you know, I guess, you know, if you want to say a long relationship, a closer relationship with um, with Henry the wide receiver group as a whole last year underachieved the coach in that instance. And even if Freddie and John Dorsey stayed, I don't see how Henry was going to survive one more year, year here, the way this was all working out. Uh, I, you know, I, I just don't think uh, Beckham and Landry did him any favors this past year um, with the, um, with, with the, the issues on the sideline and stuff during the game, and, and I think there's an, it, it, that appearance of impropriety doesn't look good for, for Adam Henry, and it's not may not be his fault one, one iota, but it's one of those things that sort of happens. And beyond that, um, you know, Kevin Stefanski is trying to fill out his staff, and, and they may not feel like they're a good fit. Uh, Adam Henry may have an opportunity to get a job elsewhere, and at the end of the day, uh, it's you know it's 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 work um and, you, and you're gonna you're gonna go ahead and grab that um i i don't take any you know meaning beyond that i don't immediately jump to any conclusions about what's going to happen i just think um they could come to the decision that uh they they'd like a different voice at that position uh and, and move on from there i i don't I, I, I tend to agree with you. I don't, you know, how much of that is, is entirely on Freddie Kitchens is, is, a, is a worthwhile question to ask, but I don't know that Adam Henry really benefited the group that much this year. I thought he did pretty well last year, but they're, they're, whether it's the relationship and just being too familiar or whatever, and that, that could be a complete misread on this, uh, but it just seems like, um, they may they, that group may benefit from a different voice. Um, you know that the, the the level of comfort is just too much, and you're not getting the desired effect. But I, I, it wouldn't surprise me if, if, if you know in some ways Adam Henry may be ready to go. Uh, so we'll, we'll see. Uh, but I don't think it's the end of the world by any stretch. No, and for one thing, for Henry is it you know it's it's now that maybe. Yeah, these are two guys you worked with, but now they are well paid, very well paid. So the question is, is, you know, and this isn't necessarily on Jarvis and Odell is, you know, I mean, they know what they're supposed to be doing. Um, but this also makes the job harder. And if you're Henry, you know what? Let me go somewhere else and then let me get a fresh start because years ago it was, you know, I had the guy, I was the guy who had a little money in my pocket, and these two guys were striving to get it. Now they get all the money in the world. And sometimes in those situations, you know, there's some guys that handle it with a positional coach of there ain't talent. There's nothing you're going to tell me. I don't know. 
And I'm not saying Odell and Jarvis are that way, but these guys know a lot about the wide receiver position. They're pretty goddamn good at it. Um, another hit for Henry, though, is, I mean, there's probably 52 factors in whatever happened with Rashard Higgins this year. That doesn't help Henry because in a lot of these situations, get what's what do you do first? Uh, what's the easiest cut? What's the sacrificial lamp? Yeah, wide receiver coach. Uh, Antonio Callaway. Um, again, you know, what's the easiest way to do this? Uh, you know, one way we can point the blame, we'll point it on the positional coach. Um, and, uh, and, and you did make a great point, Pete. It, and why he looked so promising coming into this year was what was it in 2018? It was, you know, it was Brashard Perriman. Wow. Look at this guy resurrecting his career. It was Rashard Higgins finally getting a slice of the pie and performing. It was Antonio Callaway, a, guy, a pick that came with a lot of, you know, warts to it, but a guy who had some raw talent and it actually kind of worked out. And now here was Henry with essentially a better wide receiving core and the wide receiving core. If you want to, I mean, I'm not going to take it down by numbers, but you know, you, you felt more better about the wide receiving core after the 2018 season than you felt about the wide receiver core after the 2019 season. There was no way it was, it was going to go on. And especially, you know, once the new staff came in, they were going to look at it and well, wow, you know, I mean, Third leading receiver was a running back. Um, you know, I don't – I mean, Pete, was there even a third receiver – a third wide receiver who even had double-digit receptions on this team? I don't even think there was. Uh, probably, but, uh, you know, whether it was like Ratley or somebody, um, I don't know. If he even had 10, I'd be stunned. Uh, but, yeah, I mean, uh, again, it's, it's – so much of it is just speculation, but just – I, you know, I, I'd be very curious to know, uh, you know, how Adam Henry feels about last year and everything that went down and, and how often it was, you know, dealing with sort of fallout from, from those two. And, it, you know, even today, you know, fallout today um, that could, you know, somewhat uh, reflect back on him negatively. So it's, you know, it, it, it just it, this is sort of what happens when you get a new coaching staff. Not everybody's get kept. Uh, who, we'll see if any coaches are kept. It seems like Mike Prefer is going to be kept, um, but I don't. You know, Steve Wilkes mentioned as a possibility, but they've already. You know, several have already gone uh, to new jobs. Two with the Falcons, for example. So this is hardly a surprise. Munkin's not coming back, um, and you know, part of that the deal with that is. You know, when you hire an offensive coordinator, some of that is, you know, they've got coaches they want to hire. So even if they might like Adam Henry, you know, he, he has an opportunity to get a job now. Uh, he may not be looking to hang around that long. So it may be more about him than anything else uh, and what his opportunity. Um, and if you are taking this from the new staff perspective, it's like, you know, ideally you're going to want to bring in all your people anyway. I mean, you know, the one thing, obviously, you know, for Prefer, he's this is a pretty comfortable position for him. He doesn't have to go somewhere else, say the apology tour all, all over again. And he, there, there's a regime coming in that he's comfortable with and he's going to have some friends with and some colleagues. So for him not to have to pick up, that's fantastic for him. Because um, if you want to replace and come in and bring all your people, you really hope these other guys are going off to new jobs because you don't want to, you know, you know, as you know, especially somebody like Stefanski, who's been down every line, he doesn't essentially want to put somebody on the unemployment line. So it's like, hey, if you got the opportunity, 
perfect. That's okay. Well, we'll find somebody here. Don't worry about that. But you know, that's an ideal world, how this coaching circle works. None of these guys want to stick anybody over or end up, you know, where somebody got, somebody's out of the game. You know, hopefully they just keep playing, you know, the game of musical chairs and there's enough chairs for everybody in that instance. Pete, um, you know, I think a lot of people are, you know, are downplaying and I don't want to make it a huge thing, but, but Odell, it was, it was incredibly, it was a dumb move. First thing first, when you're standing there with a wad of, I don't know how many hundred dollar bills, easily 10 to 20 grand. And there's amateur athletes. The whole thing of it on its surface, it was just dumb. And then when you actually really think about it, it's even, it's, it's pretty dumb. It's pretty damn dumb because, you know, at the time, everybody's technically still an amateur athlete. Granted, guys, eligibility ended as soon as that game did. But, you know, you didn't do LSU any favors, Odell. Uh, no. Uh, and and my my early read on this is this is going to be way worse than anyone thinks it will be. Um, look, LSU's going to have to tell Odell, dude, you can't come around for five years. It's going to be similar to like Terrell Pryor, where he's going to get banned from his alma mater. Uh, I think that's where it's going to start. Uh, I don't think that's where it's going to end. Uh, you know, there are an, any number of people who don't care about this stuff, and I get it. I mean, you know, you, you, the the notion that you know it's 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 student putting the student in student athlete, um, and and all these people are making an absurd amount of money, except the people actually uh, on the field. Which we're, uh, which we're all in favor for, but there's still rules that are in place for right now. Right. But the, but what's worse is you have a, a governing body in the NCAA that is actively trying to fight this, uh, has the power to do so, and is going to fight tooth and nail to continue their own existence. So uh, I don't can't imagine a much worse scenario than having uh, someone on live television handing out what appears to be real, you know, what appears to be money to players. Joe Burrow admitted it. He was on, he was on, um, pardon my take and told him, told the guys it was real money. So, you know, you have this on live television and you're the NCAA, you're furious. This isn't, you know, the, the stuff in private, you can pretend doesn't exist, even though it's there. And there's any number of other things uh, that are there. But this was on, you saw this live on television, college players being handed money. Um, that's not going to end well. And I, and, and I would not be surprised if the NCAA basically ends with this calling the NFL and going, look, you know, we have this great setup. You got to do something about this. And whether that's punishing players, that are coming into the NFL or punishing Odell Beckham in some way, uh, don't be surprised if that comes down the line. Yeah, and there's like a million ways he can do this and do things right. You know, you can work with the program and say, you know, what's the team dinner after the game? I'll pick up the bill for that. Like, you can give things to your alma mater. I want to send you guys 200 pairs of cleats, you know, because Odell's obviously got, you know, a great contract as far as that. I want to do something for the program. There's a legal – there's – Legal ways he can do things for his program. Standing out there like grandpa handing out hundred dollar bills on Christmas. No, you can't do it. And it was just up, you know. I mean, I understand the excitement and yeah, you went to LSU and all of it, but it's 
it, it was just dumb in the moment. And, you know, first things first, right. I mean, just get but yourself an Amex black card. It's impossible to be spontaneous. You didn't just have a bag full of money you're handing to people. You had to <laughs> actually think about this beforehand. And, and, you know, there are certain players that do carry an absurd amount of cash with them. But Alan I don't Iverson. Think I, I don't think he, he walked in there without thinking he was going to do something along these lines. So, again, don't be surprised when this visits back on Odell in some way. Now, I don't think it'll be, you know, suspended games or anything, though I suppose that's conceivably possible. I, I do think there will be something coming down from the NFL that will, uh, you know, go with this. I, I just uh, – the one thing – the the NCAA, you know, is 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 fighting fighting with on this. I just don't see how there's not something serious out of this. It's just it's it's the worst case scenario for them. So, um, you know, you should have stuck stuck with the idea that it was fake. Um, they could have played it off, uh, but it's it's real cash, and those are real athletes, and and some of them are not uh, done playing football, but even if they are, it's still the, the image of, you know, uh, athletes on what is supposed to be an amateur field of play being handed cash in their uniforms. Uh, if no, nothing else, you have a whole conference of other teams that don't like LSU and are going to basically throw a fit, even if it's just for show. So uh, I think this is going to be a bigger deal than some people are making it out to be. It's, you know, it, it's going to end up long in the tooth. It's going to end up a lot of going back and forth wherever it leads to. I mean, it's, you know, Odell Beckham Jr. is probably not going to be going to any college sporting events for a while. <laughs> probably a, a good long while. And it's, you know, it's just a, a bad look. Yeah. I mean, it would have been better off if he he supplied the 300 cigars. Because you want to know right. what? There's enough for everybody. So that doesn't make it a violation. So my theory on what's going to happen because i think lsu is going to try to head this off in the past because that's what you do um first and foremost i think lsu is obviously going to ban uh, odell beckham for some amount of time you mentioned five years that's certainly possible I well, i'm thinking think the prior thing have... I, that, that was the only thing i could go to with like a number so that's why i was saying five yeah but well I'm, I'm just i expect that will happen in some sort form or another but i but i my guess is that this will set off a chain reaction in terms of schools and who and how, how you know how you know celebrities and former you know athletes and some of these things that you know USC is obviously a big one, Texas is a big one, where you have all these former former uh, students there or hangers on or whatever who have latched on and, and essentially have free access to these athletes. I won't be surprised if LSU has to sort of say. Look, we are restrict, you know, severely restricting who has access to the sideline, or you know, far more limited, or you know, access to the locker room, those types of things. And then I expect LSU is going to have to do something in terms of like some sort of penalty with their program. I don't know, but I, but I, my, my guess is they will try like that before the NCAA comes involved. Because the thing is, the NCAA can't like you know launch some investigation and find the money. You know, it, it's just you're not going to based on, you know, what happened. It's, it's you know, it's it's cash and it's gone, but you, you've seen it. So they're going to have to do something. It's yeah, the whole thing. I mean, it's it seems silly. It seemed stupid at the time. But, you know, 
this is what the NCAA thrives on. Um, and you know, somehow, some way, there's going to be there's going to be a penalty for somebody somewhere. LSU, Odell, so, somebody's going to get something here. Uh, we've got more coming here. Locked on Browns. Pete, uh, Pete Smith, Jeff Lloyd, rolling on through here. Uh, you want good barbecue uh, in the Ohio area? Go drive on through Vermilion. Check out my guy John Vaughn, Open Pit Barbecue. Uh, John's got a passion for what he does. Uh, you know, smoking the meat and the grilling the meat and the barbecue. And John does a fantastic job. We talk a lot about meat preparation, spices, things like that. John's fantastic with it. Go on, roll on through in Vermilion, Open Pit Barbecue. Get yourself the stipe, a sweet sausage sandwich. Looks damn good, John. I'm going to get there one day. You're going to have to throw me the hell on out. So Open Pit Barbecue, tell them we sent you in Vermilion. Go see John. Talk some Browns. Have some good food. Pete, again, as always this time of year, the floodgates open, and so many kids start declaring for the draft. And now here's just a funny one. You know, Dane Brugler the other day, you know, I we were I was looking for an updated number. And I think Dane had it at the time is like it was over 80 and still some more kids coming. And he's like, this doesn't even count. I have 12 kids declaring from the national championship game. 12, 12 kids coming out early just from that game Monday night between LSU and Clemson. Well, I mean, that's the deal. Uh, you know, you have some of these schools. Uh, you know, Ohio State, LSU, Alabama, Georgia, Clemson. Um, you know, it used to be USC, but now they're a dumpster fire. Uh, you know, there, there's a farming school, I think, called Florida State that used to do some of this, uh, where you just <clears throat> have so much talent that, you know, when, 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 when the season's over, whether it's, whether it's a good idea or not, there's a feeling like, you know, you, 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 when you win the championship in particular, that it's like, well, I'm done here. Now what's next? Um, I, I don't think all of them made good decisions on this, uh, but that's sort of the nature of the beast. But, um, you know, when when people get in your ear and, and tell you you're better than you probably are, you can make some uh, questionable decisions. And, you know, that's sort of the, the, the thing that I don't like. Uh, I hate how late the championship is. I, I wish – I know there are people like pushing for the notion that the, 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 the semifinal is on New Year's Day. Personally, I'd rather the, the championship ends up on New Year's Day if they're going to do that. Um, and the semifinal is the week before for stuff like this, because the championship happened Monday and the deadline's what, tomorrow? Mm-hmm. So unless you were like, you know, spending a lot of time evaluating your prospects, um, you know, in terms of the draft. And, and on some level, that's natural. But some of these guys are, you know, really focused on what they're trying to do because they want to win something. And then they have basically a couple of days to decide. And that's, I think that's, a, that's, a, that's an absurd uh, timeline for them to make, you know, a life-changing decision. And I think there's a couple of kids um, that, that, that would probably be better off going back to school uh, that, that aren't going to be able to. And well, and, and where this all started, me and Pete talking about it today, and I'm, I'm going to use this player, you know, here as an instance. I, I, I've liked the player. I watched a lot of LSU this year. They were they were a fun team to watch. And the other thing is, if you're usually top dog in AC in SEC, you play in the primetime Saturday night games. It gives you a lot of chance to see them. Uh, Patrick Queen, linebacker from LSU. Um, you know. I, 
I, I go to Pete, Pete production and we, you know, we, we were fans of the production score. It doesn't match, but here's maybe an instance where people are getting him and it's, Hey, and they feed you the good of the scenario. They don't feed you the bad of the scenario. They don't tell you, hey, this isn't a really great linebacking class. What they tell you is, you could maybe be the fourth or fifth linebacker off the board. They don't tell you the negative. They try to pop you up with the positive. Trust, these people want you to come out. The people who were feeding you this info, they're the ones that want you to come out. Um, so the, that where Pete's point of, are you ready or not? And that's the thing. Look, Patrick Queen, he played great in the, you know, and had a, you know, he's very active Monday night in the championship game. And, you know, and look, you guys all look, I mean, t- don't tell me everybody's not a little bit guilty. Um, you know, whether, you, you know, you were pro Stefanski, you didn't want Stefanski. So many people were burying him Saturday night. But meanwhile, the Sunday before against the Saints, you were ready to literally make him, you know, the mayor of Cleveland give him the team, give him the franchise, everything. And then Saturday, oh, my God, this sucks. Can't hire him. It, it, you you can't take one moment. It's got to be a complete body of work. Uh, what Patrick Queen, the linebacker from LSU, looked like was a junior who had a really pretty pretty good season, but looked like he was set it up for a dominant senior season. So this is like a tricky spot here. You know, this is in, this is why Pete and I, we, we talk about the production, because when you were making this jump, if you have not shown elite production yet, we're not banking on you to show elite production on the highest level of football there is. And this is where it becomes a tough call. Look, there's always going to be outliers. There's no doubt about that. There is. But the question is, you know, what have you done to this point? And that's where Pete always says with this, it's only what I can prove. And that's why it's a major thing that, we do, and there's always going to be guy. Pete's going to stick to it more than I do. I'll be honest. I like Patrick Queen. I think he's a fantastic linebacker. I love the ability to go sideline to sideline. I think he moves really well. It doesn't change my mind in one instance. I would rather have Joe Schobert, but he's just an interesting guy. And this is kind of why we brought this topic up. And I, Pete, and this has been guilty of it here the last couple of years with the way they're, you know, the playoff system since it's been in place is you, you throw off two hot games. In prime time in January, all of a sudden you become a really hot name and it doesn't work out. Greg Robinson. Uh, well, so you mentioned uh, Queen. Uh, he has 37 solo tackles uh, this season. Um, six of them were in the championship game. Um, that's a 7.6% market share. That's about basically what Mac Wilson had last year. Um, and, and and I and I think you, you hit it on the head. Um, I I think it's a lot like the NCAA tournament in that respect, where somebody may not have had a really good year, but they get hot in the tournament. And and some team NBA teams do draft like this, and they get caught up with it. But NFL teams have way more data to go off of, and they're less um, less likely to fall for it. But you know, you you have people fall in love in a couple games. Um, there are still people who swear to this day, and they're wrong, dead wrong. Cardell was never going to be a top three pick or whatever. Um, that you know, they, they had the the big playoff run, and everybody's well, he's going to be you know first round pick and all this stuff, and he wasn't. Um, they were going to 
you know, figure this thing out one way or the other. Uh, so Queen had his best game of the season uh, in the championship, uh, but his production's underwhelming. And then the the, uh, the tackle that declared, um, I don't even know the, the kid's name. Uh, he he hasn't he, he like he declared and he didn't play six games this year. So I don't know what you know what he's going off of. And some of these some of this can be caused by you know some of these guys declare because they've got somebody behind them who's going to take their playing time and they they they're making the calculated decision that it's either now or never. So that's, Travis, oh, 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 that's the prime. That was the kid from Florida State. Florida State was hoping him to declare. The Browns drafted him, and you know, he actually just he Rod, got a snap or two of the. Who? Rod Johnson. Yes, Rod Johnson. Rod Johnson. Florida State was hoping he declared because they he was in the uh, divisional playoff game on uh, Sunday for yes. the Houston Texans at right tackle. It went yes, about as well they, as you expected. It. Exactly. Florida State was like, well, dude, we, we were planning on you going. I mean, they, so like, he had no choice. He he put himself in the draft, and it's never really worked out for him. It's the – there's so many avenues to this and you know, intricacies, and a lot of it is is knowing who's in your corner and who you can trust and who you can't because, you know, look, and look, a lot of times there's family influence. And you know what? Even if it's a fourth-round pick, you know, I mean, look, we're going from whether or not we can keep the electricity on some months. So guess what? Even if it's your fourth, fifth-round pick, we'll take that windfall. And you've seen how those stories work out. But if you're not going to go top 50, you know, injury, you know, whatever, find a way, find somebody, get the insurance covered. But if you're not going to go top 50, a lot of times it's best to just go on back. And granted, you don't ever know whether or not you're going to go top 50, but you know what your film was. You know, I caught 87 passes in 1,300 yards, 12 touchdowns in the SEC. I know I run a 4-4. I know I have a vertical jump of 40 inches. If it all checks out, go ahead and take that gamble. But if it's not going to check out, you don't want to become the next Jakai Polite, so to speak. And I have no idea what the draft advisory board told these people. It's possible they got far better reviews than I, than I think they do. But, but here's the thing, though, Pete. You're only getting a certain amount of reviews nowadays, though, right? They're not giving you every single player, correct? That, that stopped. I think you have to apply. And, and you're going to find out one way or the other, but uh, I don't know. Uh, what I do know is that I don't think either player is going to go top 50. Um, and again, I, I, you know, you, you could run into a situation like Mac Wilson did last year. Mac Wilson would have been better off going back to Alabama. Uh, you know, I think even he acknowledges that. Um, but you know, people think Moses was the better prospect, and Moses is going back to Alabama. Well, we'll see. His uh, initially, Pops got very, very excited and said he's going back. The uncle, who's a lawyer, has basically said, I think they're releasing a statement in the next couple of days or something along those lines, maybe tomorrow, about what he's actually going to do. They, they've, they've gone back and rethought. So he may still go back to Alabama. Obviously, he missed the season with an injury, uh, but Dylan Moses could end up declaring, despite the fact he didn't play. Uh, but Again, you, you, you were in Mac Wilson last year. If uh, yeah, I think he would have been better off going back to school. I think he would acknowledge he would have been better going back to school. But financial pressures were what they were. He had to go and make a living. And 
declared. And, and obviously, you know, the Browns got him in the fifth round and, and, you know, you root for him from that standpoint that he can, you know, overcome what he didn't get in college uh, to take care of his family and hopefully do right by, you know, be, be, be able to overcome what, you know, shouldn't be forced on the child, but just life happens. So, and that's the, the you know, that's another area where I, I, I don't know the answer with these guys, but I, I don't think in those two particular cases that they're likely to go in the top 50. Um, so we'll see. I, you know, they do this every year. Um, guys who declared early that don't get drafted at all or whatever. Um, and some of those are guys that declared that weren't going to be able to do something else. Uh, it seems like more guys are at least open-minded about the transfer portal in that respect. You're seeing more guys do that, but yeah, I mean, they're, they're unquestionably bad decisions every year. Uh, and it's not going to stop. And look, and some of these guys go to, and I, I've used this term for years with the draft process is they're five semester kids. Um, look, whether I'm a redshirt sophomore after five semesters or I'm a junior after five semesters, I'm going to the draft. And like, that's the path they put themselves on. And there's not a lot, whether it's family or it's them individually, they cannot be taught out of it. And it, it, it ends up for a lot of kids ended up in some shit situations and having nowhere to play ball and no college degree. And they're in some really tough spots. Uh, Zabo apparel guys, one of my favorite S Z A B O apparel.com. Love the family. I love the product. I love the thought behind it. It's, it's not the, as Pete, you know, uses the term, it's not the, oh, there's the t-shirt moment. They don't do it that way. Um, they, huge Cleveland Browns fans, travel for road games. There's players, there's things involved where they've just fallen in love with. And, you know, they have an affinity for it. You know, whether it's the Scottish Hammer Tee or the the show up, the Joe Schober shirt. They're fans. They do it with a a passion and a love for it because they appreciate the Browns. They appreciate Browns football. Zabo Apparel, S-Z-A-B-O, ZaboApparel.com, Zabo, at Zabo Apparel on Twitter. If you're looking for gear, go ahead, check out my folks over at Zabo. Uh, Pete, now, you and I have spent a lot of time on this, and, you know, you know, for me, it was more confirmation yesterday talking with Sage Rosenfeld where right tackle is probably just as important as left tackle to Kevin Stefanski. Enjoys, you know, it, it, not enjoys, it, it, emphasis on being able to roll his quarterback out um, so you need that strong right tackle, hook those ends, that type of thing. So if it is, say, Werfs or Wills at 10, two targets to maybe find some other way to resolve left tackle, which, look, it, you know, for all intents and purposes, yes, left tackle is the more important position. And this class just sets up beautifully for this team. And there's a name that Pete and I aren't high on. But having doing the research here, just declared today at a USC, he could be a target somewhere at the left tackle position for the Browns. Uh, so, uh, you know who's more concerned about the whole right tackle, left tackle thing than anyone? Whoever the Browns select and their agent, because the bottom line is left tackles make more money than right tackles. So on that second contract, you know, you'd rather be uh, a left tackle than right tackle. Now there are some there are some exceptions to that rule. Lane Johnson got paid, you know, handsomely, uh, but there was some expectation he might flip. Anyway, so that's really who's more concerned about left tackle than right tackle. Do I think left tackle is more valuable? Sure, slightly, um, but 
in terms of what the Browns do and what Baker Mayfield does, he likes to go to his right. I have no problem with really addressing that right tackle. That is where T.J. Watt is. He's on the left side of the defense, right side of the offense. You see him twice a year. On some level, you're playing to your division. Um, he's the most talented pass rusher, not named Miles Garrett, uh, maybe not even not named Olivier Vernon. But bottom line is he's very, very good, and you have to find a way to deal with him. So if you take a guy like Werfs and he's on the right side, you're basically like, we're not going to mess with him. We're just going to leave him over there because we like what he does, and we're going to go get somebody else to be the left tackle. You know, I got no problem with that. Now, if they take Werfs and go, we want to move him over, I get it. I'm not going to sit there and fight it. I think there are very good cases for, for doing both. Um, uh, you, you mentioned, I'm, I'm assuming you're hinting at Austin Jackson. I don't think he's going to be a first rounder. Um, no. I think he is, uh, I, 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 I wouldn't rule it out at the end of the first round, but just the sheer number of these guys, it's getting really, really difficult. Uh, to, you know, and it's, that's very advantageous for Cleveland. It's very advantageous. Right. Thankfully, uh, Dane Brugler confirmed I'm not insane today uh, and said he had uh, Mackay Becton go 11th or ranked 11th in his rankings or go 11th in his mock draft. So he said it's, he, he agrees it's very possible you could see Mackay Becton in that conversation. Um, I know a guy you're high on and he's also high on is the other kid from Georgia. Uh, I've Isaiah watched Wilson. him a little bit. He's interesting. Um, I, I l- I'd like to see his feet get better and stuff like that. But, you know, there's some people who think he's a first-round pick. I don't know about that. Um, obviously, uh, Josh Jones from Louisiana Tech. or where is, No, he's from Houston. Uh, Houston. Houston. He's, he's terrific on tape. Um, I, I think with him, it's more about getting a sense of the kid because I wish he was uh, – he had more of a finishing mentality. And I think that's one of those where you got to figure out if that's just who he's going to be or if you can light a fire under him or if you're okay with the fact that he's, you know, he's more of a block to the end of the block type guy as opposed to the block to the echo of the whistle guy. He's very good. Um, you'd like to, you'd like to give him a little Quentin Nelson. Right. And, and that's, you know, that's what Becton has. He's a, he's a dude who, who, who's in there to hurt your feelings and he's very, very big uh, to do it. And, and, and Tristan works is in that mode. Jedrick Wills, who, I don't love for the scheme, but I but you could do a lot worse. Um, certainly has that. You know, the, the kid from Georgia, both kids from Georgia have have a little bit of that nasty in them. So, uh, and and there's guys like Matt Pert, who's going to be in Mobile. Prince Tegelanogo is going to be in Mobile. There's a lot of really good players, and uh, you know, I I love the idea of of uh, taking two of them um, the first two rounds. Not only that. But the further we get into this, the less I love basically any other option in round two. Uh, I, I'm sure I'll find guys who I like. Um, I, I saw one thing that had, uh, you know, uh, Antoine Winfield Jr. basically right on the right on the fringe of the first second round, you know, which doesn't seem out of the realm uh, possibility. It's just a question of you know where these guys are going to settle. But we are nearing that point where we're going to have about. 75 first round picks and some of these guys, some of them are going to have to uh, come to the realization that some of these are going to go in the second round and who's going to sort of fall there. But just based on where things are going, I think the Browns could be in really good shape, especially if they reduce something like take a right tackle first and then come back to the left tackle, just because 
you could get guys who sort of fit those molds. Uh, but if you were to get a guy like Beckton, you keep him on the left side, I wouldn't think you'd want to switch him to the right. You could come back and get a guy like Matt Pert or uh, Isaiah Wilson, or, or, or there's some right tackles that are out there too. Calvin Throckmorton, um, yep. if you like those guys. But there's just spoiled with riches, and next year's class is probably going to be real good too. So uh, this is why I, I'm more inclined to sort of you know, build your own, develop your own, and develop a really good unit um, this year with, you know, cost in mind and having some young guys already that I think this is the year to sort of do it. Uh, you know, uh, as, as much as some people hated it, I mean, it sort of made sense for Dorsey to sort of set it up for this year, even though now he's not going to be able to draft for it. Um, the, the, this was the class to sort of position yourselves for for tackle. Yeah, and, and that was one thing we gave him a little bit of the benefit of the doubt was it really never lined up in either of the last two drafts. And, you know, and maybe, you know, everybody with the – and, guys, let's let the Trent Williams boat just go off the sea. It's just not going to work. And Listen, he's playing. He's going to play for them. They figured it out. He's there. They're, they're not going to trade him. They have Dwayne Haskins sitting there. They're <clears> not going to get rid of his blindside protector when he finally has one. That, that is the one thing that's settled. It's done. And mention, you're about to drop. obviously sit there and take uh, freaking Chase Young and pair him with uh, Ryan, Ryan Kerrigan. And, and, uh, and you still got Montez Sweat. Sweat. Yep. I mean, and Jesus. you have Geis. You have running backs. Uh, McLaren worked out for you. You have Harmon. I mean, look, the Redskins might not be far away, and you know, I I lauded their draft last year. I thought they did a really good job, and you know, if they got this all settled now, and everybody's, you know, gonna you know, essentially you know, admit what was wrong, and and look, Trent Williams, I don't know if anybody's gonna trade for that contract, and so if you're Trent, I want my contract. Uh, you know, sure you'd love more money, but he ain't worth more money on the open market, so. It's it, that's probably going to work out. That one is probably too bad and done with. One hundred percent agree with you. And the best situation. And look, it's the NFC East, dude. It's it's not a far climb from where the Redskins really are to being the NFC champs. Look, the Eagles, you know, they're going to lose a lot of guys. Um, you know, and Wentz, it, it, it's not to pick on them, but it just gets hurt at the absolute freaking worst times, and it, it becomes backbreaking. And you look. <laughs> whatever it is, it is. But you know, Washington ain't far from what they currently have. And Ron Rivera's got that guy who can get kind of everybody to to buy into him. Washington, you know, early sleeper pick for NFC champion is, could be Washington for 2020. Uh, Pete, I have done this one in a couple of days. What's on Pete Smith's mind? Anything he's got to get off his chest? Just randomly thinking the fact that, you know, you saw Luke Keekley retire. I assume he's going to end up in the Hall of Fame at some point. Um, I'm just curious if that will have anyone who's who's a big Simmons fan. And I'm not saying Isaiah Simmons is a bad player or, or anything like that. But I'm just wondering if that uh, retirement will have anyone at least second-guessing the notion of taking a, a guy like Simmons, at, at, however good you think he is, at 10 – with the with the thought he might not be around as long. Now, obviously, those guys, uh, him and Patrick Willis, both made second contracts, but they didn't quite finish their second contract. Um, are you going to be sort of a little 
less le- less inclined to draft that with that news or or if it has no impact at all. And and I don't know the answer to that. It may just depend on who you ask. But I, I with with all the talk of Isaiah Simmons, who's you know just a tremendous prospect and player, um, I'm curious if if that has anybody sort of wondering, eh, maybe I should, maybe we should just stick with tackle or something along those lines. Um, but you got to remember, though, it's 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 different here. And obviously, Carolina valued their linebacker for years, playing three first-round picks there um, at the linebacker position. But it's a it's a new regime. I mean, it's a new regime from the goddamn owner suite all the way down. So you know, it's you can't just say, "Oh, well, this is something that Carolina used to do," because we don't know. We have no idea what Carolina wants to do. And keep in mind, most likely they're moving on from Cam Newton, so they don't have a quarterback. Justin Herbert, and that's probably your guy in Carolina. My guess. Um, make sure you check it out. Everything over at Browns Maven uh, through SI.com. You're reading Brown stuff. It's coming from Pete and it's coming from his team. Make sure you're following the guy at underscore Pete Smith underscore. Um, the show at Locked On Browns, all lowercase. Uh, follow back account. DMs are always open. Uh, me personally at Jeff underscore LJ underscore Lloyd. Uh, DMs are open there. Anything you guys want, you want on the show, or any questions you got, I mean, I'm doing my best to do it, but guys, it's getting a lot right now. And, you know, the nine to five and stuff we got, I got going on. I'm trying to do my best. I'm trying to keep up here. Uh, so, you know, if I don't get to it, I do apologize. If you send it again, I will do my best to get to it. Uh, mornings are good. Try to get me before nine, nine thirty. That's usually the best time when I get my coffee on my computer set in my day. It's usually the best time. Uh, I'm going to roll on through here. Um, Pete's gonna. I'm gonna let Pete. We're gonna let Pete take a day off tomorrow. I'm gonna sit down, with Stephen Thomas. Uh, we're gonna talk a little draft with Stephen, have some laughs, things of that nature. So we'll do that tomorrow. Um, you've got a bunch here this week. You've got the Sage Rosenfeld's talk. Obviously, Pete and I covering everything that's been going on here as we're you know moving towards new leadership here. You know, GM still to come. Obviously, we'll have you covered there anyway. You know, we'll get to uh, you know, some Senior Bowl previews as Pete's going down there. We'll give you our picks for Sunday in the uh, AFC-NFC Championship game. Some guy named Pete Smith has a one-game lead. We won't bring that up right now. But this has been your daily delivery of all things. Dog Pound, LGB on the yellow B. Let's go Browns.